0: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblioscapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by London-based photographer, Andrew Youngson. Good evening, Andrew.
1: Good evening. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well, thanks. And yourself?
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you.
0: Good stuff. Thanks for joining me this evening. We're obviously going to talk about your book shortly, um, Ida. probably pronounced that wrong. I'm sure you can correct me. But uh, before we talk about the book and your work, it would be great if you could give uh, an introduction to your, your photographic uh, background.
1: Sure. Um, I think the first time I became interested in photography, specifically colour photography, yeah. was through National Geographic magazine while I was still at school. Right. It's where I first saw photographers like George Steinmetz, uh, Jody Cobb, Sam Abel, Steve McCurry. Yeah. But it wasn't until a decade later in the late 90s that I became serious about learning how to make photographs. And I photographed a lot while studying for my fine art degree. Yeah. At university, I also came across the work of Sally Mann, Richard Billingham, Regabir Singh, um, Lee Miller, and around this time, Henri Cartier-Bresson's 90th birthday exhibitions were taking place in London, yeah. and this really turned me on to street photography. I was heavily influenced by Cartier-Bresson, actually, for the next few years, uh, especially his use of composition. Yeah. Um, I did a fair bit of traveling in my 20s and 30s, and the camera provided a great excuse for nosing around and yes. being in places that I had no reason to be in otherwise. <laughs> and it also allowed me to feel connected to the wider world, sorry, the yep. wider world whereas drawing, painting and writing made me feel somewhat isolated. Yep. Back in London, I did a short internship at Magnum Photos, which okay. introduced me indirectly to the work of Stephen Gill, yep. who was shooting um, Hackney Wick at the time yep. and whose work has become a key influence on my photography. Cool. I then began working as a professional photographer and because the work I was using digitally, I started moving away from 35 mil reportage and began working more slowly in medium format and became interested in finding visual solutions to investigate subjects that couldn't be seen. Cool, yep. And this is something that I've continued to explore in much of my work over the last 10 years Especially through um, enemy action, subterraneans, and Ida.
0: Yeah, excellent,
1: very good. Yeah,
0: it's uh, it sounds as though you've had quite a, quite quite an impressive, and incredible journey, and your work really your work resonates uh, very well. Um, and I think it was on it must have been someone on social media I think had shared um, a little picture of one of the one of the one of the images from your book, Ida. Um, mm. And it really just trans- transported me in that second, as I've seen before, just straight back to the streets of Kyoto and just how narrow the wee gaps are between between the building and between the buildings and, and all the construction and things like that. And I just thought it was a it just really resonated with me and I, I, I think at that point I just immediately went on found on your website went on and managed to buy myself a copy and it's it not, not only is it a beautiful body of work and a beautiful collection of images but it's absolutely beautifully produced book Thank you. Um, it, it really is wonderful. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but wonderful paper choices and just real attention to detail and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm first of all just interested to know what uh, what got you onto the process of photographing the wee uh, gaps between buildings in Japan, because it's not something you see very often.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I was, I was on an island called Naoshima, which um, I think is a, a kind of artist community, or it has an artist yeah. community on it. And there was a lot of, um, there was a festival going on at the time and I, I didn't, I didn't intend to start a body of work. I was actually on holiday. Um, I used to live in Japan briefly cool. and I hadn't been back for a while. So it was just, um, just a, just a, a trip. It wasn't meant to be work. Yeah. And I was trying out a new lens. I had a, a, a f- um, like a 1.4 mil lens, sorry, 1.4 F-stop lens. Yeah. And I so I was shooting it wide open and shooting down these narrow alleyways. So you literally had this tiny sliver of focus. Yeah. Uh, and that caused all sorts of interesting problems that became um an intrinsic part of the book later on. Yep. Um, for instance, the the kind of chromatic aberration on the the highlights of the, you know, the, the areas that were close to the sky yep. meant that I had to desaturate the images quite a lot. Um, right and that really transformed them. Um, you know, the book is quite desaturated. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was something I continued throughout the trip around Japan, so they weren't all taken on Naoshima. Um, and once you started looking for them, you saw them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I can, I, can ima- I can imagine that's the case. Certainly for my travels around Japan, it's every everywhere is like that and as you say you you see just the tiny wee gaps and i also remember just all the over all the overhead cabling as well that just runs mm-hmm. down between all the buildings you would you'd would think naturally it might be underground but no it's it just runs down all these all these wee cracks and crevices that uh, that make up the, the city so yeah it's I, I i really like the desaturated nature of the work i think it, i think it really suits for me it suits the subject matter beautifully well because they they aren't bright and vibrant places that you're photographing they are just the gaps between really
1: yeah i mean it it was a kind of visual pun really um well not a pun but just it 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 was meant to be kind of humorous because yeah really i'm photographing space you know i had to include something um to frame that space so yeah the, the, the buildings and the walls themselves are incidental almost. They're just, yeah. Um, yeah. they're just functional. But the idea was that it was photographing nothingness. And this is the first time in my, in my work where I was conscious that I, I'd made a kind of um, decision to photograph something that wasn't really there. And that's something that has, as I was kind of alluded to in the introduction, it's it's been something I've done for the last 10 years in one form or another. Um, but also the, um, the text was very important with Ida I had yeah. to I actually commissioned a, a Japanese curator to write the introduction because it was it was so specialized and I couldn't I couldn't explain it I, I don't speak um, Japanese yeah but I I'd learned about this um, this uh, the kanji which is on the front cover which is the uh, Japanese Chinese character actually but it's used in the Japanese alphabet yeah and It was a very complicated, um, added a very complicated dynamic to the photograph. So Ida actually means in between, but um, I mean, I'll um, I'll paraphrase the intro. Um, it, It can refer to a gap between two things when read as Ida plus a room or a pause when read as Ma. The character means hours when used with time and it also indicates space when combined with void. Uh, these significations add depth and complexity to the term Ida and cultivate unique aesthetics and historical ideas, such as the existence of nothingness. Um, yeah. So that's why I commissioned someone to write it because it was much more succinct than I could ever hope to see <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, I shot it in 2008, right? Yeah, and I didn't set about trying to publish it until about three years later. I, I met a chap called Harry Watts um, at the Brighton um biennial and he just published his book Studio with uh, a couple of guys who ran a design company called Birch and they had an offshoot publishing arm called Black Box Press yeah and I was very impressed with Studio so I I met um Elliot and James from Birch and we ended up doing ideas together so the production values um it took us a long time to get that uh, we spent a year i think on and off putting together this tiny book with what is it 16 16 pictures yeah <laughs> um but it was you know the devil's in the detail and absolutely uh, i think you have to i mean you know someone said to me don't rush into publishing and It's it's really good advice because um uh it's very easy to you know just to put out a book that's okay um, yeah but you want to try and, you know, do your best and just go that extra, extra mile if you can, just in terms of materials, especially.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. I, I think from, from, my, from my view on, on the book, yeah, the the paper selections, the end papers, it's, there's, there's real attention to detail, even though, as you mm-hmm. say, it's a small book. You, mm. you you notice it and it, it feels it's a different feel all, all these all these elements add to the experience of looking through the book it's not purely just about the pictures it's about the texture the feel and everything like that as well and yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a beautifully beautifully produced book i really like the stitching that goes down down the outside as well and as you say mm-hmm. it's all the different elements all the attention to detail and you always want to put out your best best foot forward and everything but i suppose at the same time everything's a learning experience and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure from your experience of doing doing that you you would learn and you would take things forward maybe to, to to future projects as well
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's kind of maybe testament uh, to the fact it was published um nine years ago maybe it, it put me off a bit because it was so uh so fraught <laughs> so I've got I've got quite a few books um waiting to be published and partly because of um COVID everything yep. on hold but also I'm just a very slow worker yeah. um, a bit like I was listening to Brian David Stevens talk and I'm I'm friends yep. with Brian and he mentioned this to me a while ago but he he always likened photo books as being like t-shirts you buy at gigs and I really like that and it takes a lot of pressure off in a way Yeah. Um, Because uh, I mean, I I just don't like I don't like rushing into into books. I like the I like the work to sit and also uh, to collaborate is much more satisfying. Um, I have self-published, completely self-published, and I much prefer collaborating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you bring together multiple skills and multiple visions, um, particularly if you're working with designers. Um, you 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 naturally benefit from their experience in terms of yeah. font selections and, and and details and things like that. That as a as a photographer you may not necessarily think about or may not may not mm. appreciate the the benefits of going down one route as opposed to going down another route.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't I don't understand typography at all, and <laughs> uh, so that's definitely something that um, I'm more than happy to. On. To farm, not to farm out, but to uh, take advice from somebody
0: else. Yeah, and, and and what what gave the inspiration or the idea for for creating a, the book? Obviously, you'd photographed the body of work. At, at what point did you think, yeah, this? I would like to make this into a book, or it's got there's there's an output still to come from it.
1: I'm I'm honestly not sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would have been just sitting there, and yep. it, it, I mean, in some ways, it was my. Um, I mean, I did a, I did a. Um, I've written about Ida a couple of times in, in various, um, I, I've been interviewed about it. And yep. one thing I, I said in, in one of the last ones was it was like physically turning away from the street and street photography because yep. that's how I started out. I was really interested in street photography and I, I literally turned, what is it? 45 degrees yes, and went off to the side and, you know, um, I was kind of joking a bit but it was it felt it felt quite um it felt quite true as well um i think it was just there was something there's something about it. I, I remember the day i started shooting it and i i learned about this character ida and the two things came together yeah and it's, it's been it's been really well received as well it's such a small project but it's been yeah. it's been very well received which is quite surprising um, so I suppose that it, 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 you know the seed was planted. A yeah. a couple of years down the line, I decided to to publish it.
0: Yeah, but no, absolutely. And and how how did you find the process of collaborating? Was that a positive experience? Did, yeah. Did you? Yeah, really good. Obviously, it's 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 a fairly small image count. So how how did you go about selecting the images? Did you have a much bigger body of work, and then it was trying to define down which ones worked best? Obviously, you talked about having to quite desaturate just with the and... yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it was. Um. I mean, I I make a lot of maquettes. I really like making maquettes, and some of them were literally about five five centimeters high, just carrying yeah. them around in your pocket. Um and just keep looking at them and looking at them and sticking pictures all over the wall as well just so you can see everything in one go it's a very tactile process for me yeah and i try to get it off the computer as quickly as possible yeah uh, i hate editing on computers it's so frustrating yeah um, and um, i remember eventually I, I had them laid out on my kitchen floor <laughs> and i was so obsessive about it that the I think after the introduction, if, if you were to lay out all, all, all the double page spreads together, yep. after the introduction, there are kind of butterfly effect. They, The the images, So the pages where you have two images on either page and the pages where you have single images, they, they literally mirror each other. It's yep. just, just off-centre in the book because the intro and the front is piece. It can't be, but it's things like that. It just yep. made sense. It made sense to do that. And it just, I don't know. It felt it felt right, but there was yeah. a lot of toing and froing. And um, James and Elliot, James and Elliot at uh, Birch, were extremely patient with me. And, um, uh, I mean, they they probably never wanted to look at Ida ever again after after that year. But I think we produced a. Um, oh yeah, it's, I think it's, it was right. You know, yeah, it,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful, and it's it's testament to the work that uh, the three of you put into it um, to deliver something yeah, really quite quite special and as you f- have you found that uh, doing that that the book and the work is in- as inspired and then led on to some of your subsequent projects
1: as well um did it lead on to anything else um i don't think it led on directly so after yeah. um after i got i got kind of i got involved in some family history uh, research right, right. um into my my grandfather who disappeared in yeah. second world war and that led me down um that led me down a kind of slightly winding path and i became i spent about um i don't know how many years maybe eight years or so working on the edges of the long-term effects of the long-term effects of conflict or the long shadow of conflict okay yeah um, so i ended up in egypt just by chance um and i passed through the town of el alamein just going to an oasis in the desert i wasn't planning on stopping and started reading up about it while i was out there and obviously it was one of the most uh, decisive battles of the second world war yeah but when you pass through the town you can blink and miss it it's such a it's such a small um place such a small place and the, you know to think so much happened in that desert that is now just um, you know as far as you can see it's just a scrubby desert yeah so I became really interested in the kind of um, the way the landscape can conceal yeah and the idea that these things actually happened here yeah it's you know it didn't seem like there were any traces but there actually is a an absolutely devastating legacy in the form of landmines and uh, i went back uh, a year later having researched it and i spent a couple of weeks shooting um a piece all about um the the men and it did tend to be men uh because of various um social social reasons but uh men who'd been injured or even killed by stepping on or disturbing unexploded ordnance in some way yeah um and then after this um i mean it, i think the thing that I, I i took away from that was the idea that war can kind of continue uh by itself it doesn't yeah. need people yeah to continually begin be, begin again uh, yeah. you know the the mechanics of it um are independent and then I started looking at um, uh, London, uh, yep. I used to live in um, Lambeth, and you had, a, you had evidence of bomb, bomb damage all around you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you had, you know, some of the most expensive Victorian terracing in the city right next to quite dilapidated 50s, 60s, 70s housing estates. Yes. And that in itself was an interesting situation um especially um certainly visually yeah so i started um i started photographing these these things side by side and it became really interesting the idea that the city actually was almost a physical memory of its own past you could trace these things in yeah. in absence yeah um and the idea that there is narrative in empty space so when you have a gap in a terrace yes um even though you can see sky through it or there's a you know, a, a funny house that's only half the half the gap of the um, it only fills half the gap. Yeah. there, there there's a narrative of loss within that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and that's actually a book that I'm I just literally put on hold that was due to be out um right uh, uh, last year.
0: And has the work been done for the book, or is yeah, it? it's it, long? It,
1: it's all ready to go. So um, it's it's been designed by Wayne Ford, and um, we we're. we're quite far down the line with it it's it's really very close to being published but I I didn't particularly want to publish it at the moment I wanted to wait a bit just yeah um but um I ended up photographing in because I'm I'm half German and um, my mother's family in German so I went to Hamburg where where she was from she she actually lived through the bombing of Hamburg yeah and so the the book is very much about London and and Hamburg and it's it's very autobiographical Yep. but i also wanted to join the two cities together Yep. um so the book is uh i can't remember the term for this but it's when you 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 start out in the normal way and then midway through everything flips upside down so you can start the book from either side all oh, right okay. um, and then in the middle there's the kind of transference between one city to the other another city um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted it to be a bilingual book. It's completely, um, equal. There's no, um, there's, there's no front or back yep. as such. Uh, so there's no Very preferential good. treatment to each city. Um, and simultaneously while I was working on this, I was also, um, photographing a piece, a uh, piece of work in Berlin, which, um, my, my photographic section of it is called subterraneans. Yep. And it was about the, um, again, the incidents of unexploded ordnance in Berlin, which is an extremely high um, because there's there's a town specifically um, called Oranienburg to the northeast of Berlin, which I think it had a uranium enrichment facility in the war. Um, so the Americans bombed it uh, extremely heavily. And I read an article in Der Spiel about how they have a huge problem with um, bombs with time delay fuses that still haven't gone off right. partly because of the way the bombs fell and they've landed the wrong way up. So it's kind of techie, but just the way the fuses work, they don't work when they're tilted upside down or tipped oh, right. upside down. So the, it, it's meant that instead of going off within a few hours or a day or two to disrupt the clear yep. operation, they, they can seriously go off anytime and this idea i found absolutely horrifying and fascinating yeah so i spent a few i i went to berlin twice to photograph that and um i ended up working with a writer called edwina Attlee. and we went independently but she interviewed residents of berlin um, and kind of has made this strange fairy story about about how the bombs of these um, sleeping princesses that people have to try not to wake up. Yeah. It's a really beautiful um, essay and I I commissioned an epilogue by a German writer called Marco Bohr, and he's written this fantastic epilogue which deals with the idea of hereditary trauma, this idea of this long shadow. Yeah. um, And does war actually end? I can
0: imagine there must be incredible circumstances to be living in when you're when as you say, you've got these under un, unexploded, untapped devices that you're you're constantly cautious of. And as you say, it's the it's the ongoing consequences.
1: Mm, absolutely. Um, so th- they're they're both books, um, and they will be coming out um as soon as I can finalize
0: them. yeah they both they both sound uh really quite fascinating particularly i'm very sounds i'm very interested to see how well the the back to f- or the the book from both sides works because mm. um, yeah it sounds as though it was probably quite a quite a design uh, contraption to have to put together but uh, at the same time extremely rewarding and, and again it provides a different experience for someone who's looking through the work mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah um yeah, I think we've got it. Um, I think we've got it ironed out. I, 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 the the original design was was kind of unworkable, but um, yeah, we, we've had to kind of rejig it a little bit to make it feasible Fireball. to actually produce <laughs> the thing. You know? Yeah, I, I don't want to be making a few hundred books by hand. You know?
0: No, that that that's uh, it's a bit. It's quite extreme when you got to go to the, when you got to go to those lengths. You at least want it to be, at least you at least want it to be practical in terms of being able to be physically physically made without having to as you say stitch together every single piece but yeah it's
1: nice to make artist books when you're just making the one because you can go kind of wild and do whatever you want but if if you actually want to make a few and for people to see it then you do have to kind of yes figure that out
0: yeah well that's it at the same time I, i see some people maybe now start to combine combinations of maybe a small run of four or five artist books of mm. a portion of the work and then uh something that's been more traditionally printed so they they can mm. kind of blend the both because I, I think there's certainly a lot of people who got a big interest in artist books or certainly something sort of the handmade element that you can maybe be a bit more extravagant with paper choices size scale, shape etc um, yeah. and and again they all just really add something something different to the experience mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean i've previously I've made limited edition or sorry, special editions of, of my books. And I'm I'm always in two minds about how I really feel about that because they're quite fun to do because you can do that kind of as a handmade element. Yep. Um, But then at the same time, I mean, I've heard arguments that then, you know, the photo book should be the best version of itself. You shouldn't have to have a better version. Yes. And I really don't know how I feel about, I don't know which side I come down on, but um,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: I can see both points.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely an argument on both sides in terms of, uh, yeah, why why make something that's better when you've got when you've got in a book that's out that should be the best that it should be for the work. So yeah, uh, yeah But also
1: think... financially, it also helps because you can obviously you know it's very yeah. difficult, it's very expensive to make a photo books. So I yep. can completely see the argument for for doing special editions because it does help you to recoup money into and, and to actually make more work. So yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely plus pluses for it.
0: Yeah, that that's it. And I and I'm, I'm i take it you must have really taken on board the the things that you learned in doing IDA in terms of moving them forward into the, your current two books that are in progress.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um and I think the I think the thing that I've learned the most is that it's how important it is to have a good team. Um because yeah, yep. you you need to um you've got to be really on it when you're doing a book. There's so many things that can go wrong. So you have to have some very attentive eyes on it. Otherwise, um, you know, it could be pretty horrifying. Yeah. Um, and, and like I say, collaborating is, is really fun. And that's what it's all about. I mean, you spend so much time by yourself as a photographer, or you can do, especially if you're, you know, as you know, being a landscape photographer, you know, it's yeah. great, but yes. you do spend a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. So the joy is that you can bring it to the table and you can sit down with other people finally and um, and share it.
0: Yeah, well, th- that's absolutely, there, there's nothing, it's, it's great to be able to sit down and share work with other people or share ideas, pass ideas across and get different perspectives um, yeah. once you're able to kind of, this is just take away a bit of the emotional connection and not get too upset when someone says oh I don't like that picture of yours and it gets thrown out but, but that's yeah. that's all that's all part of the process and as you say I think collaboration and collaborating with the right people who will give you the honest value feedback that you want as opposed to your mum who just says yeah wow that's brilliant fantastic there's, yeah. there's like there's nothing wrong with it and yeah. Yeah, I, was ho- I was hoping for a wee bit more there but uh, but yeah and, and, and that's what helps drive it on and, and just as you say you just tighten up on the small points that you maybe think oh it doesn't will it make much of a difference but actually when you do make the change you notice it straight away and, and these are the things that do make huge differences absolutely so obviously my my big thing is uh, photo books I've got a couple of bookshelves behind me as you can probably see and and what I really do enjoy also as well as speaking to to photographers about their own work is about speaking to what other books they collect what other books have inspired them and um, i'm really having having now heard kind of your interest in your change in street photography and, and turning the 45 degrees. i'm interested to hear what books have kind of inspired you or really got you into photography so um i'm gonna guess i probably don't have many of them but um, i'm quite interested to hear to hear what they are
1: sure um i actually had a look through all of your previous um, discussions to make sure I wasn't doubling up.
0: Uh. <laughs> don't, 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 don't worry about doubling up. There's been, there's been a few names over the, over the piecemeal that have been mentioned frequently. Um, yeah. And then there's one switch you wonder what they're going to say. And it's something that's totally left-wing or out there. Um, but then you also get the books that remind people of when they first picked up a camera and that might mm. be 30 years ago, but still a book that resonates with them, even though it's, Nothing to do with what they shoot. So from that point of view, it's always it's always really fascinating to see what the books are and the, and also the reasons why.
1: Yeah. um Well, I've tried to. I. I. I it's a bit of a long list. Um. So sure. you just t- tell me to stop when you can't take any more. No. Nope. But um. First off, uh, I. I've done it kind of chronologically. But Dream Life by Trent Park. Right. So the, they're actually all fairly recent. So that's 1999. Yeah. Um. I really love this book. Um. I was. I was really impressed by how he had taken an aesthetic that you associate with say robert frank and he had transposed it to southern pacific with that kind of tropical light yeah Uh, so you've got this incredibly um bright often midday light which gives you these crystal clear highlights but also enables you to have these really really inky blacks and one of the things i struggled with with street photography was how much of it is just so ugly like streets themselves the street furniture can really get in the way like cars and things like this yes yep and the way trent was able to uh, just throw those things into shadow if you didn't want them and just highlight and also the printing is you know it's really really dark room kind of geeky stuff. He's, yeah. he's obviously he absolutely loves printing and there's vignettes all over the place. It's really, really grainy. <laughs> I I I don't know what he does to the film, but I, he, he pushes it or pulls it or something. Right. And it's really, really, really grainy. So um I love I, I really love that book. Um and you can see that he is in love with life and he's in love with photography. It's yeah. a really joyful book. Even though it's really really dark aesthetically it's it's yeah. full of love. Yeah. Um, And then there was one uh, by an artist called Andre Princip who's a Portuguese photographer and I think this was his first book and I was actually in Porto at the time and I saw the exhibition and something about it really grabbed me and I was just before I published my first book, Visions 1 to 26, which was really heavily influenced by this one book I bought quite late on in the process. But... um, it just—it was so Portuguese. It just had—it just—it felt like a piece of the city that I was in. There was something about it, even right. though it's photographed in—I think mostly in Lisbon and yeah. in New York and other places. Um, but it was—it was just a really wonderful book, and the images were kind of really grabbed. Like sometimes compositionally, they—they—they they, 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 they were real grab shots. But, yeah. but but everything was in them. Everything you needed was in them. Uh, it's, they'd been like wrenched from from oh, life and, right um it just had a really strong impact on me um the book itself it's i'm, I'm not sure that andre would have would have chosen the production because it's a bit catalog like okay but it didn't matter the the images were so were so um were so right yeah uh, that that it, i i really love this book i still i still look at it all the time what's it uh, called? So what's it called it's, Sorry. Called, it's called tunnels it was published see. by Booth Clibbon in two thousand and five. He's published a, a huge amount since as well. Yeah, um, he's a really interesting photographer. Oh, right, interesting. Um, so those were both street photography uh, things, um, and then I've chosen a couple of landscape. Cool. Okay. Books. So Sequester by, um, Avoiska van der Molen, and now this is another black and white book uh kind of with the emphasis on black again yeah uh, the very very dark for the most part yeah but i really love the abstraction quality of black and white the fact that it's not pretending to be the thing it's photographing but it's the, yes. the picture is a thing in itself yeah um the overriding sense in the book is one of a pre-human time on our planet although traces can be found in um road signs and fences and electronic light yep cool um and It also plays with scale. It's a really beautifully designed book. And the it, it has the images on white pages, but then it has these kind of full bleed, almost like end papers, but scattered right. throughout the book that that zoom in on details and Ooh. almost echo or um uh or they come before the image in the, on the white page. So you're you're constantly being kind of moved around in your Cool. All right. It's quite disorienting. It's a yep. really stunning book. Very nice. Mm. Um, not, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, night Procession. Sorry. <clears throat> no problem. By Stephen Gill. Yeah. Um, somebody who's deeply interconnected with their environment, be it Hackney, hackney or in this case, yep. Sweden. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think he was using motion capture sorry um what do they call them motion sensor cameras yes yeah he's left them in the wood um it's a kind of it's it's a kind of almost a playful playful book um and the thing i really love about it is that the the images have been softened i think they're digital uh, but they've been softened kind of revitalized with washes of plant pigments uh, which is very, yeah, it's such a Stephen Gill thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it's got a really wonderful um, um, accompanying essay by Carlo uh, which is, which is just a wonderful piece of writing. And then, just briefly, I would add Sabina by Jakob Al-Sobor, um which is an absolutely stunning document of his time living in east greenland um, right cool he he went out there as a photographer fell in love with uh, a local girl and um stopped taking pictures and then there's one there's one line in the books so you he, he's written a lot of text in there too yep and the line was um i want to be a hunter shoot seals and catch fish i've stopped taking photographs I thought that was just um, incredible. Yeah, yeah, very. So then, very, when he reemerges, he's not a photographer anymore. He, he's, yeah, uh, he, he's he's living there. Yeah, um, I,
0: uh, yeah, fa-
1: fascinating
0: selection of books there. Um, I, I I don't have any of them. I, I know of quite. I know of most of the names, to be honest. But um, I certainly will enjoy um, exploring them further because uh, for me, it's. Uh, doing what now nearly 60 discussions episodes you, it really opens your mind to to entirely different new ways of thinking and new approaches to take and it, it's always fascinating even if it can be quite damaging for the for the for the bank account Um it's it's one of these things and yeah it's you don't always necessarily need to buy the books, but it just opens your eyes to how other people maybe approach their work or other slightly different styles that you've not come across because there, there are so many photographers, there are so many different styles and um, a- approaches that people take that I think we can all learn and we can all, we can all take inspiration from from all these different sources.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But uh, on that note, I'd just like to thank you very much for your time this evening, Andrew. It's been it's been a real pleasure speaking to you about uh, about your work and your books. Um, I must say I'm really looking forward to seeing the next two books that you bring out. Um, they sound really quite fascinating, particularly as I said the the combination between uh, between Hamburg and London as well. Um, I think that that will be really. I'm really interested to see how that how that is actually constructed or printed and things like that as well um and yeah if it's anything to go by your first book um, there'll be beautiful bodies of work
1: Oh, well, thank you very much well it was uh, great speaking to you and uh, thank you for getting in touch
0: no problem at all it really was my
1: pleasure and uh, thank you very much for your time andrew cheers thank you take care bye